The Bible tells us in verses 30 through 33, it says, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for your love that you've poured upon us and that you gave your very own son. God, he was... He didn't just come into this world, for he existed long before this world ever existed. But you gave him to us. And God, we thank you. We thank you for that love that you shared. That not only did you give him to us, but you gave him for us. Now, God, we pray that you would take these broken words that we're about to share. That, God, you would fix them, form them, fashion them into each heart. And, God, that you would move and minister upon us. Help us, God, to worship you today. And if there's one who doesn't have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ, we pray this be the day that they call upon the name of the Lord. For if they do, according to your word and the authority upon your word, they shall be saved. Thank you, God, for loving us. And we love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, we're, we're living in a day when the thought of naming a child, <laughs> uh, there's a lot that goes into it. Would you say that? Would you say there's a lot of thought that goes into parents naming their children? Uh, <laughs> sometimes I wonder. <laughs> sometimes it's, uh, it's, we, there's names that are chosen that are easy, and sometimes there are names that that just aren't easy. As a matter of fact, I believe that for most mothers and for some fathers, around the month, uh, around seven to eight months before delivering the child, some mothers already, they're, they're starting to plan what that baby's name's gonna be. Uh, some of you today who don't have children, you're already planning what you're gonna name your child, boy or girl. Some of you who have one are thinking about when I have a second one, what the name of that child's gonna be. So if it hasn't come here, you're already thinking about that. There's a lot of thought that goes into naming children. What I've found is the thought that goes into naming children is, ba is largely, not entirely, but largely based on uniqueness. Uh, parents today, young people today want their children to have this most unique name. We see that because they're giving names to children as the directions that we know, northeast, west, and south. They're naming children like that. They're naming children by months and, and by seasons. They're naming children all sorts of things. Yeah, that cars. <laughs> we're... we're we're going as far as giving children names that are so unique that nobody can pronounce the name except the mother and the child. 
and the child is having trouble spelling the name until he's in high school. And thank God teachers don't give out things anymore because of the names that we're giving our children. And you know, and what we'll do, we'll get angry if someone doesn't pronounce that name right. Uh, don't say, don't, don't sit there. I, I know better. We've had too many funerals in this place where the name of somebody was mentioned wrong and it was yelled out from the congregation the correct pronunciation. We get angry when people don't pronounce the name right when you've given names that no one else can pronounce. <laughs> well, there's a lot of thought, and there's a reason why you get angry. There's a reason why it's important to people that these names are, are correct. And it's because you want this child's name to identify this child in its own uniqueness. I, I wonder sometimes, instead of a unique name as Christians, shouldn't we be raising our children uniquely? and uniquely different from the world? Instead of a unique name, how about our children being named, remembered for who they are and how unique they are rather than by their name? Many of our parents had, had it right in the past uh, because many carry nicknames. Now, I don't have a nickname, not from a parent. My nickname comes from, well, we won't talk about that. But, but many of you are carrying nicknames from your parents, and there's a reason why. We may think, well, mama and daddy didn't care enough about me to, get, to just say my right name. No, that weren't it. They didn't want you identified and tied to the name. They wanted, you, they wanted people to know who the person behind the name was. And because they wanted, you, wanted others to know the person behind the name, your name wasn't as important as who you are. When we look in this passage today, we're going to find out the person behind the name. When we think here in this passage, we begin to look at the name of Mary's baby. The name Jesus is a name that we all know very well. This was a common name, even in Jesus' day. One of the greatest heroes before Jesus was born, one of the greatest heroes of the history of Israel carried this same name. We remember the name being Joshua. Joshua is the Hebrew name for Jesus. Jesus is the Greek name or the American uh, name for it. Both names, Joshua and Jesus, they mean the same thing. They, they mean Jehovah is salvation. And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago, there were many children running around with the name Jesus. But there was no child like him. It wasn't the name that was unique, it was the child that was unique. When the angel came to Mary, she told her what to name the child. She told her to, to name him Jesus. We see that there in verse 31. The angel also visited Joseph months later to tell him the same thing. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 1, verses 20 through 21, the Bible says, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit and she will bring forth the son and shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. In, God, in Luke's gospel in chapter 2, 21, it teaches us that after the baby was born when he was eight days old, Mary and Joseph took him to be circumcised. And on, the eighth, on that day, they obeyed the voice of the angel and they called his name 
Jesus. It was in that moment that Mary confirmed her belief in what the angel had told her. After following the words of the angel, it attests to the fact that she who carried this son for nine months would be God's only begotten son. This son was not given to her for her pleasure. He was not given to her for her to make decisions for him. He was not given to her for her to rear him in the way that she would have him to go. But instead, he was given to her to be born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit of God, to be, to be God's salvation for the world. Oh, what a name. The name of Jesus. Vestal Goodman sang a song some years ago, and we sing it today, and the lyrics, that go something like this. There is a name above all others. Wonderful to hear, bringing hope and cheer. It's the lovely name of Jesus, evermore the same. What a lovely name. He, she goes into the chorus and says, what a lovely name, the name of Jesus. Reaching higher far than the brightest star. Sweeter than the songs they sing in heaven. Let the world proclaim. What a lovely name. Folks, the apostle Paul stated in, in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Wherefore God has highly exalted him. Given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of the things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. In other words, it doesn't matter if you're in heaven, if you're under the earth, or if you're, or if you're here on earth, you're going to shout the name of Jesus. He says that every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. You know, that's why we, when we think of the name Jesus... We who've been born again, we immediately think about salvation. Is there anything else to think about when you hear that name? God has given us salvation. Jesus, Jehovah's salvation to the world. But when we look in this passage, we don't just see the name of Mary's baby. We begin to see the nature of Mary's baby. Jesus was holy. He was unique. He was different. When we say the word holy, that's exactly what it means. It means unique or different. Not the same. Not the status quo. That's why the Bible tells us that because he is holy, we should be holy. In other words, we shouldn't be just the run-of-mill uh, men and women. We are different. We've been set apart. So we ought to be unique from this world both Adam the first man created and Jesus the son of God they both came into the world uniquely they came into the world different than anyone else they they were holy Adam was made in the image of God and because God formed him from the dust of the ground he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life he was made perfect however that man he sinned it took on a new, a different nature. A nature that he passed down to all men. This sin brought forth not only sin to all men, women, boys and girls, but also brought death and condemnation to us all. Romans 5 and 12, the Bible says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, 
And thus death spread to all men because all sinned. That man brought shame. He brought disgrace. He brought a curse upon the world. However, when Jesus was born, the angel of God said he will be great. Even though he was made in the image of man, he would be great. And some of you are saying, no, he wasn't. He wasn't made in the image of man. Well, Philippians 2, 5 through 8 tells us, Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness, the image of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. When Jesus was born, he was without sin and he caused light to shine in darkness. In his life, he lived without sin and caused life to spring forth from death. In his death, he died for sin and caused salvation to destroy condemnation. The angel of the Lord said he would be great. He was, he is, and he will forever be great. That's his nature. That's who he is. But it's not just great. He's God. You know, we, we have a tendency as we read and we think about Jesus to forget that he's not just the son of God. He is God. The Bible says that he would be called the son of the highest. His baby, this baby, would not be like any other baby. He would be the son of God, the eternal son of God. Jesus existed long before his incarnation. He existed with his father for in eternity past. And when he stepped into time, he came into this world born of a virgin. Isaiah stated, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He was saying then that God would come to us. In Matthew's gospel, in chapter 1, in verse 23, we're given the translation for the name Emmanuel, and it's God with us. And that is exactly who Jesus was. He was the Son of God. He is God in human flesh. He is God with us. And we can never, we can never mistake the fact that he is God. John 1 and 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In 1.14 of John's gospel, the Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, God became flesh and he dwelt with us. Whether we realize it or not, whenever we say the name of Jesus, we're saying God is with us. So here this passage helps us to see the name of of Mary's baby. It helps us to see the nature of Mary's baby. But I want us to notice the nation of Mary's baby. When we think about that, we find in verse 32 that he is the king of Israel. As a matter of fact, the Bible says there in verse 32, the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. This baby was born to humble people of humble means. 
He would be a direct descendant of King David. More than that, he would be the fulfillment of God's promise to King David. A thousand years earlier, in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, in verses 4 through 17, God makes a covenant through the prophet Nathan. He makes a covenant with David, and, and he tells Nathan to tell David that while the people are living in houses, uh, God's presence is still living in tents and tabernacles. In other words, he's saying, you're living better than you're allowing me to live in your lives. You're, you've got nice homes. You've got places to go and sleep. You've got places to go and dwell. But here I am. You've got me in a tent. You've got me in a tabernacle. And I think that too often we put God in a box. We want him in that little box that fits our life and what we want and what we like. We fail to realize that he's much bigger than what we could ever put him in. That's why churches are arguing today over style of service. That's why churches are arguing today over the, the type of music. That's why they're arguing over the color of carpet and the color of walls. They want Jesus in their own little box, fixed up in the way that he, they want him, instead of letting him be God of their lives. I remember the first time I went to Jacksonville, Florida to a pastor's conference. Here I am, an old boy from Union Chapel who hadn't seen nothing but small church. And I, when I say small church, I'm talking about under 100 people, week in and week out. We saw that's all I knew. And, and I was told we're going to a church that seats 10,000 people. And I, the first thing in my mind is we won't feel the Spirit of God there. First thing in my mind was it'll be a dry and a desert service. But when I got there, and I heard the songs of Zion saying, and I saw I heard the word of God preached. I felt the presence of God amongst 10,000 people like I had never before. I want to tell you he's bigger than what we think he is. Yes. When we hear God is telling Nathan to tell David, it's time to build a house for my name. And in verses 12 through 14, he says, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. But if he commits iniquity, I will chasten him in the rod of men, with the rod of men and with the bows, blows of men, the sons of men. This baby, this baby that we've celebrated today, this baby that we will celebrate his birth on Wednesday, this baby that every time that we come into the house of God, we are coming to worship and praise. He's one day going to sit on the throne of David and he will be crowned king of kings and lord of lords. Unlike any other king in the line of David, his reign as king will last forever. One day the king will return in his glory and he will rule the world with a fist of iron. And Revelation 19 and 15 says, out of, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he, shall, he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. When you say the name of Jesus, you're calling on the king of kings. There's not a greater king that's ever lived and will ever live than Jesus. But also the angel Mary 
The angel tells Mary that her son will not only be the king, he not only will sit on his father's throne, but he will reign. The word here, it refers to a king who rules in majesty and glory. This reminds us again that Mary's baby would be no ordinary baby. It reminds us that Mary was giving birth to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. While in this world, few recognize the majesty and glory and the authority of Jesus. This is how it was told it would be by the prophets before. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 53, 1 through 3 says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form of, or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. When the people looked at Jesus, instead of seeing the King of kings and the Lord of lords, they saw a poor Jewish carpenter. Instead of seeing the King of kings and the Lord of lords, they saw a revolutionary who would just stir the people I'm afraid there's too many preachers today who's trying to stir the people instead of feeding the sheep. Amen. Instead of seeing him as king of kings and lord of lords, they saw him as just a healer. They saw him as an earthly king. They saw him as an innocent man. And few saw the son of God. As a matter of fact, even when Peter, James, and John went up, on that mound of transfiguration and, and they saw Jesus in all his glory. They also saw Moses and another. Some believe it to have been Enoch. Some believe it to have been Elijah. I don't know who it was, but they saw two others and Jesus. <laughs> and Peter said, let's make a tabernacle. Well, let's make an altar for all three. But God said, no, <laughs> oh no. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Even those in his inner circle failed to see who he really was. In Matthew's gospel 16, 13 through 19, Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say the son of man am? They responded saying, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah or the prophets. But then Jesus got personal, pointed right in their face, but who do you say I am? Here they are sitting, listening to God himself in flesh. And he says, who do you say I am? And Peter spoke out, thanks be to God for the Holy Spirit of God Amen. that reveals to us when we know him who he is. Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. But Peter didn't know that on his own. Flesh and blood doesn't reveal that to us. 
Some of you may be here today thinking, well, if the Lord would just speak to me, I would get saved. I want to tell you, if you know Jesus is God, he's already spoke to you. There's no way you could know that without his Holy Spirit revealing that to you. The day is coming, folks, when we're going to give an account to who we say he is. But the Bible tells us the day's coming where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Who do you say he is? Think about that. Who do you say he is? The third stanza of that song that Vestal Goodman sang, he says, he'll return in clouds of glory. Saints of every race shall behold his face. With him enter heaven's city ever to proclaim what a lovely name. What a lovely name, the name of Jesus. Reaching higher far than the brightest star. Sweeter than the songs they sing in heaven. Let the world proclaim what a lovely name. Oh, what a lovely name, the name of Jesus. <laughs> but who do you say he is? We come here today on, to have a service like this to say he's Mary's little baby who grew up as the son of God to be the propitiation for our sins. In other words, to die in our place. To raise himself on the third day. To leave this world and send in us his Holy Spirit with the warning that he's coming back. And only those who know him as Lord and Savior will be received from this world. Who do you say he is? The word of God says he's God. I say he's Savior. He's Lord. He is King. I say he's God. But who do you say he is? Well, we hope you've enjoyed the message today. And if you happen to not have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, we want to invite you to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's as simple as the ABCs. If you would admit that you are a sinner and that you are in need of a Savior and believe that God sent His very Son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to be the sacrifice for our sins and that He died for our sins and He arose on the third day. And then if you would confess Him, as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved. You must believe this with all your heart. And you must be willing to serve Him. If you are, all you have to do is talk with Jesus. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a church to get saved. But if you get saved, find yourself a Bible-believing church. And I believe God will richly bless you.